Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Then Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are not, for you are setting your mind not on defined things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my disciples, my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of them, the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Be merciful on my wife. <laughs> she worked yesterday and all night. <laughs> and and so so she signs up to read because she has she has she wants to do her part. Um, but sometimes I think she fell in exhaustion <laughs> and didn't arise. The um, but if that can be a motivation for you guys to sign up for reading, that would be great. <laughs> Last week, the first reading was the conclusion of the story of Noah's Ark when God made a new covenant with all living things. The bow in the sky was the sign that the covenant of, this, of that covenant, a visible reminder of God's promise not to destroy creation. Today, the first reading is the story of Abram and Sarai and the covenant that God established with them, promising that although it appeared that they were unable to bear children, that from them would come a son, that's the promise. And from him, great nations, kingdoms. Their names were changed to Abraham and Sarah, an audible reminder of the sign of God's promise of blessing. And they are blessed to be a blessing. You know this one, I love it, to the world. It's not by accident that we get these covenant stories during Lent because Lent is a season that looks forward to the new covenant that God makes with us in our baptism. It's a kind of gestation period. Something is taking shape. Something is growing in us and is about to be born. A promise, a new hope, renewed commitment. Lent is the springtime of the soul, and all are encouraged 
All of us are encouraged to anticipate the new birth in Christ awaiting us in Easter. What the second reading today is getting at is that God is always the one who initiates the covenants. Abraham didn't bring about the promise. Abraham didn't fulfill the law and because of his righteousness earned the right to God's blessing, but rather everything began with God. And because Abraham believed God and trusted in God's promises, he was justified. Now if you remember the story, that didn't happen all at once. They heard the promise of a son. I mean, we just read that, the promise, yes. But then when Sarah wasn't completely, wasn't immediately pregnant, well, Abraham decided it wasn't going to happen the way God said, so Abraham takes Sarah's servant and had a son with her. That may represent creative thinking or ways to get around the law or perhaps even a little self-serving but it wasn't the promise that God had made. He had made it to Abraham and to Sarah. After years, when both of them were beyond the childbearing years, Isaac was born as God promised. Abraham and Sarah had a child. It took Abraham and Sarah years to learn to trust God, you could say. I consider that wonderfully reassuring. Abraham and Sarah's trust wasn't instantaneous and it wasn't perfect. But they learned and they matured until they finally began to trust God more than they had trusted themselves. And God still reckoned their faith as righteousness. And here's the passage from Paul for us to remember. Now the words, it was reckoned to Abraham and Sarah, were not written for their sake alone, but for ours also. It is reckoned to us also who believe in God, who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, who was handed over to death for our trespasses and was raised for our justification. What is the sign of the new covenant? Jesus' suffering, death, and resurrection, which then brings us to the gospel reading. This is not like an easy teaching. Jesus told his disciples first, and they were so shocked that they didn't even hear the promise that was attached to it. Peter, always the first to speak, went so far as to take Jesus aside and tell him, no, 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 no. No suffering and death. That is not appropriate for the Messiah, the Christ of God. And Peter was surprised again when Jesus rejected his disciples' attempt to save Jesus from sacrificing himself, from providing himself as a sacrifice, because God provides. At the very center of our faith is this important fact. God provides, and God is the one who initiates and carries out our salvation. The church isn't at the center. The professional clergy aren't at the center. You and even the most 
faithful of you are not at the center. The strongest and the most or least involved in the church are not at the center. God is always at the center. What we do when we finally understand this, when we finally get this, is simply to receive the gift that God so graciously gives and then to respond to it by caring for the very ones, the very creation that God cares for. We may choose to care for the earth, the environment. We may choose to proclaim the good news so all might know. We may respond by helping with Sunday school, signing up to read, ushered, confirmation, help with confirmation or the youth or scouts or music ministry in this congregation or Bible studies or fellowship events in the church or by being a good neighbor or getting involved in school decisions or government or nonprofit organizations in general or simply choosing to be more generous with your time, talents, possessions, a world that is indeed hurting. The opportunities are endless. And we respond not to earn God's love, but in response to God's love and the sacrifice Christ makes for each one of us and for the sake of the whole world. The disciples had victory in mind, not suffering. They wanted to ride on the coattails of Jesus' success into earthly power. But Jesus invited them and the whole crowd to follow him to the cross, to a life of sacrifice and giving, not taking and grabbing. Whenever we think that we have a better idea than God, like Abraham and Sarah or like Peter, we actually become God's enemy and hindrance to God's work in the world. Whatever happens to us, whenever we, whatever we've done or whatever we've failed to do, nothing can change God's intention to love and redeem us. The work of salvation has already been accomplished through Jesus Christ. When I asked the confirmation class the very first, um, I always say, so we sing the books of the Bible and then we get to the New Testament and we sing Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Exodus, and I usually stop and go, okay, what are those first four? What are those called? Then I'll usually say Matthew, Mark, Luke, and I go, yeah, but what, does, what, what, is, what are those first four books of the, the Gospels? Ah, yes, the Gospels. And, and what does Gospel mean? Good news, and so we go back and forth like that, and good news, and why is it good news? It is good news because it is about Jesus, and it is this story that Jesus dies and rises again for us. How are we to, because God respond, God provides. How are we to respond? Well, no doubt with a responding yes, I will follow.